Hey everybody, it's Microphones of Madness. I'm Rodney, over there Steve. Hey. And today we are hitting the books. We are talking about the the Obanox or <coughs> and other tales of heroes and horrors by Kirk A. Johnson. Uh, sorry if I mispronounced that, Kirk. Wait, how do you mispronounce Kirk? No, Obanox. Obanox. But, uh, yep, this is a uh, collection of uh, sword and soul tales. Uh, there's two novelettes and two short stories here. This was released, uh, what was the copyright here? 2022. Ah, uh, here we go, by Farfield Press out of Brooklyn, New York. All right, so. Wow, nice, nice accent, Wes. Ah, you're welcome. That was a showstopper right there. <laughs> Calling anybody Wes is a guaranteed party killer. Yes. All right. So, uh, well, let's just go with it. I mean, this is a really short book. Uh, I think grand total, it's like less than 200 pages. Uh, there's a yeah, my- introduction and the obligatory blank pages. Yeah, I've got like the. Uh, I guess I must. It must just come in small print on the iPad mm-hmm. because I got it clocking in at ninety six pages. Oh, see, I, I I got the PDF version off of Book Baby, and I'll tell you why at the end of the show. Okay. Um. So we have four stories, the titles of which are the title story, the the Obanox. Uh, we have the Oculus of Key, Cock and Bull, and for Wine and Roast. Um, one thing that stands out about this is there is a good hefty dose of uh, kind of horror elements in all of these stories. Yeah, these definitely are harken back to like old weird tales published Mm -hmm. like um conan-esque or um or Mm smith-esque sword and sorcery stories um as opposed to like even like changa uh or um imaro which have like sorcerous elements Mm -hmm. but it's definitely more about the heroic feats of of uh, superhuman people right. this is more taken down a notch and and you have um actually i i can't even say conan because conan's got like you know it does have a lot of supernatural elements in it mm-hmm. conan's pretty heroic yeah well i won't say heroic but he's like pretty much you know well undefeatable mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, that's that's the type of that's the type of uh, genre ploy, the the heroic fiction. Not necessarily that the character themselves is some idea of heroic. It's the level of uh, competence of the character. Yeah, uh, where we have tough and powerful characters uh, on the verge of heroic, it's just 
uh, each of these stories features an element that is just beyond our hero. Or, right. or which, well beyond our hero in a couple of cases. Right, which actually makes for a nice tension in the story, I think. Um, there were there were definitely a few times where I wasn't quite sure whether or not said hero was going to uh, get the outcome that happened. Mm-hmm. And that's that's always good that, it, that it's not like telegraphed like that all right. the time. Uh, did you have a particular favorite? Uh, to be honest with you, I really enjoyed the Oculus of Key, mm-hmm. which is the second story. Um, I like I like the cult aspect of it. You mm-hmm. know, I'm, uh, I'm always a sucker for a nice cult of uh, idiots, right? <laughs> Yeah, that that one that one was really good. Um, I I liked um, Cock and Bull. Um, I, I actually I really enjoyed all of them. Uh, it just had a really good vibe. I was like, it was something I think I needed, if you know what I mean. Um, right. Yeah, you know, it's like that. It's something I was have been looking for for a little while. We haven't we haven't really done too much in the vein of more weird fiction in a while and uh you know this this hit all the right buttons yeah it, like i said before it definitely harkens back to those old days and and it i mean i don't want to sound elitist i guess or anti-elitist as the case may be but they're definitely just their stories they're not trying to prove a point mm-hmm. <laughs> um there's no like ulterior um, metaphor, I guess, <laughs> right. uh, that you get in a lot of weird fiction these days. Mm-hmm. Um, Where it's trying but, to be literary. Right, unquote. exactly. Exactly. Uh, they're just telling some really good stories that, you know, are engaging. Uh, you know, they get your heart pumping a little without trying to be a little too um, hoity-toity. I guess, you right. know, they, they, not that there's anything wrong with that, but sometimes you want the cigar to be a cigar. Right. As they say. Right. Sometimes you just need good old fashioned blood and guts and veins in the teeth, as Arlo Guthrie said. Right. <laughs> and exactly. plenty of that in, in these stories. Uh, yeah. I, I really liked Cock and Bull. And for roast and wine, I, I really enjoyed well. Um, probably the best use of, of bardic abilities I've seen in a story. Right. You know, it, it broke it broke the stereotype a little bit that has been going around the internet of the bard is always a horn dog. But well, I mean, and, and kind of went back to the that that older. Uh, idea of the storyteller being a bit of a lore master. Yeah, well, I mean that that trope is just a bunch of like fucking. It's like D and D shit, right? <laughs> there is a downside to having RPGs become popular. Is you know they're popular memes. And, <laughs> yes, there we go. Short story long is <laughs> the downside of. Popularity of RPGs is memes. 
Well, it's it's up there. It's definitely one of them. True. And maybe we'll talk about that one day. Um, <laughs> but you like the Oculus of Key, and that that did have that whole uh, that had a bit of more of a Conan vibe uh, to it. It did it, a little more, it, a little Solomon Kane. Yeah, it definitely had that. Um, you know, uh, bait and switch, I guess, aspect to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you kind, it wasn't like too terribly predictable, but it definitely followed in the footsteps of, of, uh, of different stories like that, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, stuff like, like if you like things like Rogues in the House, kind of stories um i think you'll 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 like this one mm-hmm. all right um now like i said one of my favorites was was cock and bull because uh, I, I love a good scam <laughs> well it wasn't so much of a scam well it was it was you know it was just like a a, a pretty good uh caper mm-hmm but you know, there's like there's definitely an element to it that was um, unforeseen, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, me, not I'm, sp- I'm a sucker for a good caper. Trying not to spoil these, but it's a good caper. But the good thing about that story, to set it apart from like a regular old caper story, I guess, is that um, you didn't know it was a caper until until the twist. Yeah, until it was too late. <laughs> you already read the story, and then you realize, oh, oh wow, <laughs> it was, it was blah it, blah blah cool. all along. Right. We're trying not to spoil this because, truthfully, yes, it was Agatha all along. Right. <laughs> um, I, I haven't seen that series. So yeah, it's not. I, I don't really get get speaking of memes. Right. Um. Yeah, we're trying not to spoil anything, and it's really hard to talk about you know specifics and stories without spoilers because you, as a reader, meaning you out there in the audience, uh, really need to pick up this book. It, it is independent, uh, self-published book, but it is very high quality and very reminiscent of. Uh, as as Steve has said a couple times, those old weird tales. I mean, it's definitely classic, right? And you could tell that. Um, pardon me. Uh, that Kirk A. Johnson uh, is versed in in those old stories and and how how they flow and what the the different beats are in them. Mm-hmm. Yep. There's um, never an awkward beat in here. And and you get the added bonus of he's not trying to um, shove adjectives down your throat. Oh, yes. <laughs> Which, and, and that's not only Lovecraft. I mean, Robert E. Howard does it and they well, all did it. When they you get, all did it. They all wanted to be. I, I, I guess I get it. You want to elevate, you know, what was at one point looked down upon mm-hmm. as a as a 
as a literary work, uh, you know, was considered to be genre fiction, which is, you know, for some reason, not as um, good as literature. Mm-hmm. So I, I get that you want to you want to prove that it's just as good. Right, right. But it's not just the words that you use. It is how you use them. Mm-hmm. Well, these guys were also getting paid by the word. That's true. So, you know, That's you want to as well. You want to add as many. uh Many five, as many five dollar words as you can, so you can collect well, that's that. Getting $5. paid by the letter. <laughs> I'd be getting paid by the letter. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I mean, there's definitely a, a bunch of different reasons why um, those old weird tales read the way they do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they they get to be a little awkward. Um, I would say I would say this that Kirk. Um, it goes along with kind of the Lester Dent and uh, uh, Walter Gibson method of storytelling. Uh, those two pulp act, you know, authors. This uh, shit. Uh, God damn, the Man of Bronze. I just forgot his name. Oh, <laughs> right. Uh, shit, Doc Savage. There we go. Doc Savage in the Shadow, respectively. It's just nice for you having a brain fart instead of me. Yeah, yeah. And it, <laughs> and can you believe that, that, that brain fart was Doc fucking Savage? Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, it more more along those that type of uh, pacing, I would say. Because, I mean, some of those weird tales stories uh, can get a little bogged down. But, uh, Mas- you know, Lester Dent and, uh, and, and Gibson really kind of like kept up the pacing it was more frenetic right well also you know these stories aren't very long mm-hmm. uh the longest one was the title track um which in my book was 30 pages so mm-hmm. you figure it's probably 60 in yours right mm-hmm. Possibly, I I didn't count. I was too engrossed in reading to count the pages. Well, it has you know, there's page count in the bottom of the screen. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I didn't pay any attention to that. Anyway, in unless you uh, are unless your pacing is um, not frenetic, I guess you're going to have it be longer than that, and really for an it's the perfect length for the story, I guess. Mm-hmm. Any more, and you're you're just getting a little bit too too much, right? And any less is you're going to miss stuff. You're going to have stuff that um, should be in there that isn't. Correct. Correct. Now, all of these stories are uh, do take place in the same the same world. Uh, yes. The he's got a map. Here on uh, it's page ten in my copy. Page six. Yes. Um, we see it's the land of Embor, which is right there. It's a northern Nabar. Yeah, but mostly everything is set in Embor. Uh, right. And uh, it's a it's kind of a neat map here too that you get to see. Uh, I recognized it right away. 
as as uh, Incarnate uh, being the source of it. But that's that's really good map making software. <laughs> I was gonna say it kind of looks like Turkey. I guess. Kind of looks like Turkey. Mm. Yeah, I suppose. But uh, yeah, this is uh, all of these stories take place in in Boar, uh, and every one of them, it, even though they 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 take place in similar areas or even in the same same general vicinity, uh, we we see characters from different parts, uh, but primarily we see. Uh, Barbarians from closer to the the bad place, right? The mean, yeah. So so it it keeps with that that uh, uh, wilderness versus civilization theme that we see a lot in uh, Conan, uh, right? And and you also have uh, the the characters are outsiders mm-hmm. who are not as familiar with the city ways so you also get your point of view characters get information at the same pace that you do mm-hmm. um so you, you don't have to make assumptions that you know what's going on it's it's a very nice way to have explanations happen organically without info dump right right and there is no info dump at all in in this in this book um uh, very, very little fat on the meat, as you would say. But there's enough that it rounds out the world yes. a, a bit. Mm-hmm. So that you're not... Uh, it, it feels, pardon me, it feels lived in um, and vast just because, you know, it's your name dropping things that may m- might not be pertinent to the story, but serve to just broaden the this scope of the world without yeah. actually giving you a, a like a gazetteer of of, what, of the of land. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and, and it's also a land rich in history uh, that you get uh, a feel for without someone having to say many years ago in a time long past <coughs> you know you, before Atlantis sank into the sea right but you still get the the idea that that there that people are in touch with with history and this land is very old right but it's open enough where you can write any story or he can write any story that he wants to because it's he hasn't boxed himself in yet. Right, right. There's not a six-volume set of the complete history of Embor. Right. <laughs> and maybe there should be. No, there shouldn't be. <laughs> no, I actually, you know, all that lore, mm-hmm. I think, gets a little bit too much. Right. Um, I think it's great for people who are super fans and really get into it. Um, but I think just for the majority of us, you know, having that open endedness to the lore um, just makes it just more enjoyable to, to read. 
it's kind of like um, a book versus a movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you have you have that your own images in your head, and you fill in the blanks yourself, as opposed to oh, now uh, Legolas is always going to be Orlando Bloom. Right. Well, also, you know, you have this issue um, where you can easily end up accidentally painting yourself into a corner. Because the more lore you offer uh, in a particular setting, the more there's this idea of continuity. Well, the more you're beholden to that lore. Right. So, you know, easily Kirk could turn around and tell stories set 500 years or or 1,000 years before the events that take place in this book and not really mess with anything. Because there is no established, you know, line of heroes or, or, or the history is not as defined enough. It's defined through the stories themselves, not uh, pre-existing uh, catalog of events. Yeah, I agree. It's very clever. Um, I think it's a good way of doing things. I think, you know... Uh, Howard, Robert E. Howard did that um, until he didn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I think probably Tolkien did it until he didn't. <laughs> I think, I think you know, I don't know if it's internal or external pressure that that makes an author go from like having a nice open world where anything can happen to closing it off and you know and i i guess like tokens probably the the well i won't say the most egregious it's probably the most popular of them well he's probably i would say he's the er example of uh extreme world building yeah but then you know like you have you have authors like uh what donaldson where you know or um Wheel of Time, um, Jordan, yeah, where it's all mapped out like mm-hmm. the whole history of everything, right? And, um, you know, I think you're limited now instead of like, um, having an anything can happen kind of, kind of a feel to it, you end up having, um, like, oh, you have the map of the land and this is where they're from and this is what can happen and these are what these people are and they've been here for X amount of time and you get like, you know, it just doesn't, doesn't seem as fun. Yeah. Anymore. More like you're reading a history book. Yeah, even like, even like something like Michael Moorcock mm-hmm. really with, with like the Young Kingdoms and Elric. It's like, okay, he gave himself like this open-ended option and then closed it. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's a, uh, there was a castle. I can't remember what it's called that stood on the edge of, of chaos. And, you know, every once in a while a hero would come by and um, get control of the castle and be able to define the chaos into law. Mm-hmm. And then he, you know, killed off the keeper of the castle. That was that. <laughs> right. Until the next one. No, well, no, because like the person who made this all possible uh, died. Ah, gotcha. 
So, all right. Now, next question uh, would be: Are 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 you intrigued? Would you like to see uh, more of these particular characters or more varied stories set in this world? Um, I would prefer more varied stories set in this world, um, or just really more. I'd read more stuff by uh, Johnson. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, I believe it doesn't necessarily have to be set in in a in a shared world or or anything. Just you know, I guess that is like kind of a vogue thing. Well, it's not but, really shared with anybody but himself. It's yeah, but a, I mean, a setting. Yeah, but even then, you know, maybe he wants to write a science fiction story. Well, from the about the author page in in this book, uh, I believe the novel he is currently crafting. Is sword and soul, so there we go. So we'll definitely have to check that out. Um, if this book is any indication of how that book might turn out, it's going to be quality. Yeah, I, I, I'd read it. Yep. Uh, so there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, the Obanox by Kirk A. Johnson. Uh, you can grab it on Amazon for for the Kindle. There is a Kindle edition. Um, however, it is also available in uh, EPUB slash PDF uh, and physical copies at Book Baby. And personally, I say uh, if you can grab it at Book Baby because uh, Kirk gets 85% cut of the oh, cover well, price. There you go. So there you go. And until next time. Balls. <laughs>